Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to San Francisco City Insider, the San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and I'm here today with Ravina Rahal and Pollock Shaith. Three years ago, they were outraged by the election of President Donald Trump and founded the Post-March Salon, or PMS, which, wink wink, meets at the same time of the month, every month. It's a group of women who find ways to engage in politics, education, and community volunteering, and try to find silver linings in today's bleak political landscape. Pollock Shaith and Ravina Rahal, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Hello. You both have impressive resumes, and I wondered if you could each take a minute to give me your quick biography. Uh, thank you so much for having us today. This is Pollock speaking. Um, I am part of the global public policy team at Instagram. Prior to this job, I worked at the San Francisco City Attorney's Office for the previous five years as the managing director of their affirmative litigation task force Mm -hmm. um, and enjoyed actually uh, suing Trump quite a bit on on policies that we um, that we value here in San Francisco. Great. And Ravina. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having us. Uh, My name's Ravina. I am a physician, currently not working as a physician, home with my kids and doing a lot of community work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Previously worked as a hospitalist at CPMC and then did a three-year stint in telemedicine. So you both participated in the first Women's March, which was three years ago now, right after Donald Trump was elected president. Um, But as I understand it, you didn't want to just and your activism that day, but um, created something new out of that march. Can you talk about what inspired you to want to march in the first place and then how you came up with PMS? <laughs> um, I'll take the first part. Um, so I think uh, along with many of our friends and family in Bullock, um, I was outraged and angry after Trump's election, um, but I was also motivated to um, do something about it. And as a result, um, I decided to march. Bullock and I went together and in that, in the rain, we were discussing how do we sustain this um, motivation that we were feeling amongst our friends and family. Everyone was suddenly awakened. And how do we keep this going? And so we decided to just assemble a group of our friends the following month in February. We met in Bullock's apartment and we took it from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, for me, what was notable <clears throat> was that despite the heavy rains, there were thousands and thousands of people outside and you could feel this like collective rage which was amazing but having been an activist um, previously and really most of my career um, I always recognized that without some kind of like consistent organizing and without it being somewhat social it really does fade Mm -hmm. I mean how many of us are still using all those apps that came out like ResistBot and everything Mm -hmm. the weeks after the election and so Ravina and our, my sister are both in the public health space. They're both mothers. Um, and I understood their desire to really make sure that this wasn't going to happen again. 
Um, so we came up with PMS. Um, <laughs> the name itself, I think, was part part motivation in that we were like, okay, well, we can meet at the same time. Were you month. feeling cranky? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were gonna we were gonna you know reclaim all of our like female power, which includes <laughs> our PMS. <laughs> yeah. So exactly what is the post March salon? So you meet monthly. Where do you meet? How many people? What do you talk about? Yeah. So, um, so I think when we say salon, just to be clear, this is kind of a nod to like the 18, 1900s where, um, people would host salons, presidents would host salons where they invite people from different backgrounds so that they can engage and educate each other on their different areas of expertise. Presidents would invite artists and architects, philosophers, so on and so forth. Um, the idea was that we keep these intimate and we actually build community. If you remember, you know, in the previous 10 years, uh, the 2016 election, we were all kind of online reading and consuming most of our political information. And the idea here was to take it offline so mm -hmm. that we actually could understand what we were doing. We were pretty intentional about keeping it female only. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for that is that we were meeting at people's homes. Um, which Does also, it rotate month to month? Yes, yeah. it definitely rotates. It's unsustainable. <laughs> yeah. um, it's completely voluntary. We were meeting at people's homes. Oftentimes the host would make dinner, oh, um, nice. which is really nice. And in the beginning, we kind of um, we started with this idea that we would have it be like a donated dinner. So mm -hmm. you would attend. The host would either cook dinner or provide dinner. And then you would donate to whatever organization the speaker was from. Um, whatever amount you thought you would have paid for for that dinner. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and the other, the whole purpose of it being female only is that I think one observation um, that we had was that women generally don't feel necessarily confident to go out there and speak about issues that they don't feel like they're educated on. Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes when you're in a room full of both men and women, and there's a speaker, a lot of men are, are quick to kind of raise their hands to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And so we really wanted to make this an environment where people who have never learned about this specific topic could feel comfortable to ask questions and really um, gain some understanding about it. So what subjects have you covered and who have been the speakers? I can take this yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. No, no problem. So, yeah, we kind of like talked about what we would talk about. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of the speakers, it's been a, a wide range. It really does reflect the interest of the membership. Um, I like to think of it as like think globally, act locally. So mm -hmm. we focused on very local issues. Um, but in the very beginning, the first couple of salons, we actually focused on the issues that were catching national headlines. So I think the second month that we met was um, Trump was trying to pass the uh, the America's Healthcare Act. And we brought in a friend of a friend who was in-house counsel at Sutter Health to walk us through what the AHCA was, what the ACA was, and what the differences were. Mm -hmm. um, right after that, there was the Paris Climate Accord. We brought in someone from NextGen. So these were kind of like national topics that people were learning about and hearing about, unsure what they felt about, and then we were trying to provide information about what we should think and what we should value. Mm -hmm. um, and actions we can take. And absolutely. And each one, we also always made sure we took some sort of action. I will say within this first six months, when we asked each other what we cared about, it's hard to not live in San Francisco and care about local issues, especially um, homelessness here mm -hmm. in San Francisco. And although a lot of us care and are already active in supporting organizations that are out there, um, we wanted to bring in someone that I think, like us, was a transplant from another city. But didn't just come here, look at the issue and think about it and maybe do a one-off service event. Um, we we met Megan Freebeck mm -hmm. from Simply the Basics, now CEO. She's great. 
She's amazing. I wanted to get her on the podcast. Megan, if you're listening. Yes, 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 definitely. She's amazing. And she's actually a great story for us because I met her at a friend's place who would volunteer with her. Um, after meeting her, I invited her to speak at PMS. Um, that was one where she spoke about these, this idea of our neighbors in need and treating them with dignity and the um, the just the change that we can make that we don't necessarily think about, like talking to people, smiling at people, asking them what their name is, so on and so forth. Um, we made hygiene kits that day. It was a very on-brand PMS type <laughs> of female hygiene kits. Um, and then... Afterwards, when I sent her an email to thank her for coming, she immediately responded and said, can I join PMS? Oh, cool. So is she a member now? She is a member. She's a member. And that's kind of something that's recurred from from uh, a few times from different speakers. Do you only have female speakers? We've only had female speakers, but we have had fundraisers for men. Mm-hmm. We've had a couple of people come speak. The, Actually, that's true. What was his name? Um, oh, my God. That's horrible. He ran for um, treasurer, treasurer in California. California. Oh. It starts with a V. Why am I forgetting? His name. He did not win. Yeah, <laughs> we've had a couple, and we and we also our very first. So most of our salons are private. They're uh, and we're open in that anyone can join PMS, but we're not broadcasting our salons to everybody because uh-huh. they are people's right. homes. But we do have public facing events too, um, okay. and that includes the fundraisers and also mm-hmm. the service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then men are welcome to the public facing. (laughs) We don't exclude. (laughs) After three years of the salon, are you feeling better or worse about the Trump administration in the state of our country? Has the rage amplified or simmered down? (laughs) Um, I think initially we were working up our first um, kind of uh, goal was to work towards 2018 midterm elections. And so a lot of energy went into that, and a lot of us worked on uh, local races in District 10, and we were able to flip that district blue. I think after that, there was, I think there was burnout. Would you agree? I think there was political burnout, um, but we, and this is something else that PMS has kind of been able to endure, like the dips in political activism where maybe other organizations haven't, because that's just one of the buckets that we really mm-hmm. consider the pillars of PMS. Um, we don't necessarily just meet to do phone banking and canvassing, which can be exhausting. And I don't think everyone identifies with, right. um, and especially the people that we're well, we're targeting. Um, we do a lot of other things that are, again, reflective of what members want, including local service and, um, and even just female empowerment, mm-hmm. I would say. I'm happy to talk a little bit about the local service if you want. (laughs) Um, So uh, that's one of the three pillars of PMS. And so salons being one of them, inviting speakers, political activism, and then the community service and community engagement piece. So as she mentioned, Megan is a member of the organization. We've done uh, work with Simply the Basics. We have consistently volunteered at local homeless shelters, serving meals. Um, In addition, we work to support women-owned businesses in the Bay Area. So we um, hosted a salon at Old School Cafe um, run by Teresa Goins, who's an amazing woman um, who should also be on the podcast. Yes, yes. she's phenomenal. <laughs> um, so in a, uh, learned about the work that she's doing and then supporting her by hosting her salon there. Um, and then we also have an annual holiday salon where we um, do a white elephant gift exchange that supports women-owned businesses in the Bay Area. And therefore, we've kind of created a list of women-run businesses and women-owned mm-hmm. businesses that we can kind of support. 
That's great. Um, so locally, that's what we've been doing. Oh, we've also done environmental work. We've yeah, done, we, we with the Audubon Society exactly over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to just make a quick plug for Teresa and Old School Cafe. Her restaurant is in the Bayview. They hire all formerly incarcerated juveniles um, and give them marketable skills. Mm-hmm. And when you take twenty women that have probably some of them never been to the Bayview um, to have dinner there and experience it's amazing kind of like great food, great environment. It wasn't just a one-off thing. It completely had a ripple effect. People went back with their school, their birthdays and things Mm -hmm. like that. So, you know, it's mission forward in like every way we can think of. Yeah, that's great. Are you going to be marching again this year? We're definitely going to be marching Mm -hmm. again this year. For those of us that are in town, I I hear that it's a big, there's a lot of private schools in San Francisco that apparently have like school days off. It's just, well, it's MLK weekend. It is MLK weekend, but. uh, but A lot of people go skiing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I think somebody had mentioned that they also have that Tuesday off, so it becomes like a like mm-hmm. a longer weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, to go back to what you said earlier, though, about the rage and whether or not we are more or less this year, I'm really encouraged. Um, we actually, so if we think about it, this is not one of those ideas that we had really well thought out. We just started it from a need to do something, and the fact that we're still here four years later is encouraging. Mm-hmm. And it's only because members want us to be here, not necessarily that we're like pushing it forward. And most recently, one of our members, one of our most active members, actually decided she was going to run for local office, um, DCCC. Who's um, that? It's Nadia Rahman. She's running in District 19, 8019. And this is someone that has a digital communications background. She's a business school um, graduate. She had been passionate about these issues, but just started her activism after Trump was elected. Mm-hmm. Um, truly recognizing that she's from Texas, and now I'm giving her major plugs here. But, <laughs> but really, you should hear more about her because it's motivating even for me. Yeah, and I've worked with her for the last two years almost. Um, but it's motivating even for me to see someone take um, the short amount of time that they've been civically engaged and use that as a way to get more people out there. Mm-hmm. She does a great job of it on her social media, and now she's going to do an even better job of it, hopefully, when she's elected. That's great. I'm Heather Knight, and I'll be right back with the founders of the Postmarch Salon. I'm back with Ravina Rahal and Pollock Sheikh. Do either of you have a favorite presidential candidate? <laughs> I've actually was burnt out after 2018, and there were so many candidates in the field, and I am actually irritated by the number of candidates. And so I am actually waiting for democracy to do its thing. And when the candidate's chosen, I will hustle hard. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm not getting too involved right now mm-hmm. in the primaries. I just can't. I'm saving my energy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's smart. And I actually think I wish more people did that. I am really, really into Andrew Yang. Um, uh-huh. I, having gone to law school, I love Elizabeth Warren. I love Booker. I love Kamala Harris. Um, but I am I find him to be a contemporary, someone who could be a friend that's just exceptionally smart, but actually really discussing issues that I think we're we don't as lawyers definitely, but even as policymakers discuss enough mm-hmm. on the national stage that really did impact people. I'm originally from Michigan. Um, Michigan is is now a purple state. Um, it went red in 2016. A lot of that flipped in 2018, but it is very much up for grabs. Mm-hmm. And when I think about who can win there, it, the pool is a lot smaller. Mm. And what will you do if Trump is reelected? <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. Can't go there. <laughs> I know. Mentally, it's, I just 
We're <laughs> manifesting the reality. We're going to just manifest a different reality. Um, I mean, yes. I, we'll keep working. Yeah. Exa- I mean, that only that only strengthens, strengthens the need for things like PMS, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump's re-election is, is not. One thing I've learned um, after starting PMS is the importance of local politics. And not, and I had no idea. I was not as civically engaged as public before PMS. Um, but just knowing, understanding the need to be involved on the local level. And so I think I would kind of focus my energies there and just keep working and plugging mm-hmm. away there. Well, that segues perfectly into my last serious question, which is, would either of you run for a political office one day? <laughs> I would not. I, I think you would, Paula. <laughs> um, I would for a place that I feel very passionate about and that I want to fix. And so San Francisco is, I mean, having worked for local government, I feel, I love this city. I think we're a laboratory for so many amazing, interesting things. And the rest of the country and the rest of the world really do follow suit. I think of myself as more moderate than the average San Franciscan, frankly. And so my likelihood of winning here might be low, <laughs> if I'm completely honest. Um, and I kind of really relate to... And and have been somewhat involved, but want to be more involved with Michigan and um, bringing back what makes, I think, people from Michigan really passionate about being from there. Mm-hmm. So, yes, ideally, um, I would some in some different phase of life. Okay. I think city commissions would be something I could get involved yes, in. Yes, Something absolutely. locally without running. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, you survived a serious question, <laughs> and now it's time for the lightning round. <laughs> the real hard part. <laughs> yes. Politicians have been known to freeze up on these, so. Um, but regular people do better. <laughs> Which are you? I'm definitely a regular person. <laughs> no, I'm nowhere near a politician. Even if I do run for office, I don't want to be a politician. <laughs> uh, you can take turns answering back and forth. Uh, where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Papalote. Oh, interesting. Um, I would say Los Taqueria Los Coyotes, but strictly because whatever the first restaurant is that you go to like on mission street i think you have a tendency to go back to and so i had my very first veggie burrito there and i loved it (laughs) what is your favorite movie filmed in san francisco last black man in san francisco Ooh, that's That's a a good good one one. um i loved blue jasmine Uh uh-huh i also like the sweetest thing with cameron diaz oh That's, that's in like San Francisco? First, that's in San Francisco, and I only remember that because she was walking uphill. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow, if you had heels and had to walk what, uphill. What was that Bollywood movie filmed at the Palace of Fine Arts? I'm so mad I'm not going to remember this, and I should know this. I know the song. I can picture it. I can picture it, too. Shah Rukh Khan is in it. Yes. <laughs> so You'll weird. have to let me know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? I can, I mean, so in truth, I get the same drink everywhere I go. I drink a tequila soda. Uh-huh. It's splash of lime. It's well, who I, makes the best tequila soda? So I like the glassware <laughs> <laughs> at the cordial. Um, and I like a lot of the ingredients that I see that they put in other people's drinks. <laughs> That's a tough one. I don't make it out to drink very much. <laughs> I, my husband makes really good gin and tonics at home. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> All right. So Ravina's home. <laughs> what was the last book you read? The last physical book I read was um, Brave Not Perfect by Reshma Sojani. I'm big on audiobooks mm-hmm. just because I'm always walking. And right now I'm listening to Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. Oh, I love that book. It's He's great. so good. And he reads it, which is like, it's fun. Oh, wow. Um, I'm in the middle of two books, um, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan, which uh-huh. is fascinating. And then another book called Atomic Habits. I'm blanking on the author, mm-hmm. but fantastic also. Okay. 
This is a really hard question because there are so many possible answers. But what is the worst thing that has happened under President Trump? <laughs> You're right. The first thing that comes to mind. Oh, no, there's too many. <laughs> first thing that comes to mind is good. The first thing that comes to mind for me is um, kids in cages. Mm -hmm. That was our, yeah, families without borders. I mean, uh, I don't think that like physically I felt comfortable living in a country where we were doing that actively mm -hmm. in my lifetime. Um, that seems like something that I might have read about for, you know, that happened in America during someone else's lifetime. And mm -hmm. I would have done something about it, had it ha but it happened during our lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, it continues to happen during our lifetime. And it's it's just hard to come. To That's the with. first image that comes to mind. But I will also say that the uh, emboldening white supremacy mm -hmm. and white nationalism movement, mm -hmm. I think, is really dangerous and unfortunate. It's a hard question. Yes. If you could tell his daughter, Ivanka, one thing, young woman to young woman, what would it be? <laughs> They're whispering that this is a hard question. I, I mean, personally, I would say that I, I think that this is Pollock. Um, I think she has such a big responsibility, to be honest, um, to people. And I think that it's she's in an uncomfortable position, right? She is the president's daughter. Um. I don't foresee, I, I'm trying to be reasonable and realistic. Mm -hmm. I don't think that she would be out there, you know, advocating something against one of his policies. But I do think that she has a huge platform to continue to do good. Mm -hmm. The one area where I think perhaps her husband did help a little bit, which I don't want to give too much credit to him for this, but is criminal justice reform. Mm -hmm. One of our speakers previously was Jessica Jackson. She's um, on... She's one of the she is the co-director of Cut 50, um, which is Van Jones Criminal Justice Organizations. And it was one of the very few bipartisan acts that was passed in President Trump's um, administration, which is the First Step Act, um, bringing people from prisons back home. Um, and. Again, I think that while you might not be able to do everything I would like you to do, do as much as you can mm -hmm. to bring people together and in, in, in bipartisan ways that you can. Mm -hmm. I think I would speak to her as a fellow mother because um, that's where a lot of my motivation is coming from and mm -hmm. just have her plead with her to think about the kind of world and example that she wants her children to live in mm -hmm. and think about things from that perspective. If you were president, who would be in your cabinet? Ravina. <laughs> <laughs> Surgeon General. <laughs> Nadia. Yes, definitely. Nadia would be your comms person. Um, mm -hmm. Andrew Yang be in my cabinet. <laughs> I do think You're that I would. Yang gang. I am. I'm such a Yang ganger. It's horrible. I try not to be outwardly because I want to seem tempered. But you're just true. putting it out there nationally. Yeah. <laughs> I think my goal, though, would honestly be to uh, to bring people as progressive as I am on, on certain issues. I want to bring I want to be advised by people. Um, that can heal from both sides mm -hmm. and really try to garner what's helpful to everyone out here. Sometimes I think that we um, you know, we sit in a bubble in a lot of ways. The day after the election, we're still in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And we still have California protections and San Francisco, San Francisco protections. Um, so I would look for people in the middle of the country and in more middle, um, having more moderate values. Mm -hmm. I'll just ditto what Paul said. Okay. <laughs> so again, not electable in San Francisco. <laughs> uh, in one or two words, what is your top issue when you go to the ballot box? Talking nationally? Sure. Okay. Um, I, uh, women's issues and economic issues. 
I might too. Um, reproductive rights and uh, criminal justice reform. Lastly, what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Um, I, this is so not zen, but I wake up every day and while I'm taking a shower, I listen to, um, I ask Alexa to give me like the daily briefing. <laughs> and I really do enjoy it because it's a smattering of things because you can kind of elect like what you add to it. And mm -hmm. so it's, you know, Washington Post and Wall Street Journal or. or you can ask for the Chronicle headlines. Can you really? Yes. Oh, see? Okay, well, I will do that. <laughs> I also have, like, history.com on there. So it's like, what happened today in history? <laughs> um, so that's something I don't go without. <laughs> that does not sound relaxing. No, it's not. <laughs> um, I enjoy my hot cup of coffee once my kids leave <laughs> for school. And I, like, thoroughly sit and enjoy it while reading. Great. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for joining me. It was fun to talk to you. Thank you. This was great. Thank you to Ravina Rahal and Pollock Shape for joining me today. By the way, a Google search answered two questions you might still have. That candidate for California treasurer was Vivek Visvanathan, and the Bollywood movie filmed in San Francisco was My Name is Khan. Thanks also to King Kaufman and Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and to you for listening. San Francisco City Insider is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe and give us a quick review wherever you get your podcasts. Support San Francisco City Insider and a lot of great journalism with a print or digital subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.